Looking for that perfect gift for the hard-to-buy person or for yourself? Head on over to Audible and pick up your copy of the audiobook Integrity, an Obsidian Guardian novel, written by J.B. Coates and narrated by Cat Ward. That's Integrity, an Obsidian Guardian novel, available now on Audible. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome to Paranormal Heart Podcast, a safe place to talk about your paranormal encounters. I'm your host, Kat Ward. Folks, I have another great show for you tonight. My special guest is friend and host of the Uncomfortable Podcast, Eric Jalagi. In episode 111, Eric talks a bit about Bigfoot, haunted cottages, investigating with his family, and a recent experience that was extremely personal, terrifying, and emotional for him that was not demonic, but something much more frightening. Before we get to the show, if you'd like to be a guest, or if you'd like me to narrate your creepy or paranormal encounters, I'm looking for you. Yes, you. You can email me at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. And folks, I have listeners all over the world. I'd love for you to send me an email and tell me what part of the world you're listening from and what part of the paranormal you like the most. Is it ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, or something else? I'd love to hear from you. Don't forget, new episodes are released on the second and last Sunday of each month. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, KPNL Digital Network, and any place you find fine podcasts. Whatever platform you listen on, Please like, share, subscribe, and comment. It helps the show more than you know. Now, on with the show. Hello, Eric. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Hi, Kat. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, so have I. Thank you so much for uh, for accepting. I'm really excited about oh. this. No problem. No problem at all. So we are newfound been friends. Been looking forward to it. Yes, indeed. Yeah, because, relatively uh, what, like in the last month or so. Yeah, right? uh, it all started with uh, Tommy Cullum, and I went met JJ through Tommy, and met Tim, and then like it just kind of snowballs. You just meet so many people, and um, mm-hmm. so many great people that I've encountered. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's funny because um, it's it's a strange, uh, a wonderful but strange little like community that uh that tends to kind of just draw in around you as you as you start doing this and 
you know, I just uh, just coming off the heels of hosting the 40 and Airwaves uh, podcast conference, which was this uh, uh, weekend of the 7th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 7th, 8th, and 9th of October. And, uh, you know, when I put that together, um, I tried to I tried to look at from the standpoint of somebody who was going to be coming to this conference and wanting to hear about the weird stuff. Um, I wanted to get like from from one end of the spectrum to the other. And, you know, so I was able to put together, um, you know, myself, my show pretty much revolves around um, Bigfoot and UFOs and, you know, lately for, for whatever reason, it's not that I have particularly been going after it, but it seems to be a very prevalent thing is, you know, people with spiritual awakenings and, and stuff like that. And then I had, you know, one, uh, the bump podcast, uh, Bo Kennedy from the bump is very outward with his, uh, his Christianity and his faith in his show. And it plays a big part in how he conducts his interviews and how he perceives what he's being told. I, I tend to steer away from my religious beliefs, um, because I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of organized religion. So mm -hmm. You know, my beliefs are a more spiritual thing, a more personal thing. So he's at one end of the spectrum, I'm at the other. I think at the same at the at the end of the day, we all wind up in the same place. Um, we just have different ways of getting there. And uh, you know, then I filled in the rest of the show with you know the Hollow Sky podcast, uh, Kill the Mockingbirds, who are kind of more in the conspiratorial end of things, and then uh, Cryptids of the Corn group of great guys and, and lady who uh, their stuff is more science-based and it's more bio biology based, you know, about certain cryptids or creatures that may be misconstrued as being something they're not. Um, so it was, a, it was a, a very concerted effort on my part to, to give everybody something under that umbrella of high strangeness. And uh, it, it worked out really well. Um, but it, it's amazing having not, you know, I, I had met the cryptids of the corn, um, in person before and, uh, one half of the, the kill the mockingbirds, we had had uh, some interactions prior to that, um, in, in real life. But, you know, the rest of these people, I didn't know them from anybody other than having contact like you and I are, mm -hmm. um, over the airwaves and, it, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't really unexpected, but it was still strange. It's like when I saw Stephen Kyle walk through the door, um, from hollow sky, it seemed, it just felt like old friends, you know, like you'd been away for a while and now you're getting a chance to hang out again. It was, there was nothing weird or awkward or, you know, like, Oh my God, I don't know what these guys are going to be like, you know, it was yeah. just strange. And I think that's a t kind of a testament to, the types of communities that we build around, you know, doing, doing what we do. And it's, uh, it's very gratifying. It's, uh, it's been a very positive experience. I find it so amazing. You have so many people of different walks of life talking about the same, the same topics. And, uh, it doesn't matter if they're 
uh, hardcore Christians or whatever their religious beliefs are, everybody seems to come together. And yes, there is some drama when it comes to the paranormal. Um, but for the most part, the past few years, I find it's not as bad. People are just trying to come together and talk about their point of view without getting into heated arguments. And it's just really interesting. You know, I, that's a, I think that's a very valid point that you make because um, I've had a couple of people. Um, I, I tried doing a, a not necessarily a one-off, but um, gentleman, younger guy that I work with uh, is is very very adamant about his skepticism about any of this stuff. Yet he is a um, he is a weekly moderator for my discord um ah. i tend to do i tend to do like live uh live chats on friday nights mm -hmm. um and i call them the campfire yep and you know sometimes we'll have six people sometimes we'll have 20 you know sometimes 23 people will be in there and he pretty much just kind of sits in the background and he's a moderator for me if anything starts to get um, too politically charged or too, you know, if I, rarely do you have somebody who is saying something that's um, insightful in, in some way, you know, like trying to incite uh, an argument or something. He's there to, you know, mute them, get a message to them saying, hey, this isn't what we do, you know, give them a little slap on the wrist yeah, and, one and give them another chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did an episode with him called the devout and the agnostic. He is an extremely faith-based Christian young man. Um, but the twist of it is that in the title, the devout and the agnostic, mm -hmm. I'm the devout believer in all this paranormal and, and weird stuff. And he is very much agnostic when it comes to <laughs> those types of things. Um, which I thought was, you know, it's more of an inside joke between him and I and anybody who knows him, but it, it served it served the the purpose. And uh, you know, he's he's willing to he's willing to entertain certain things, but then there's other times where you know I can be in the middle of a a conversation, or we'll have somebody on the Discord who's uh, you know telling their story or telling what you know their thoughts on something. And without seeing him, I can tell that his eyes are rolling in the back <laughs> of his head and, you know, and he's just, uh, you know, oh my God, what's, what, what's going on here? Um, but it is, it's a safe environment for people to be able to, to discuss this weird stuff that, that they have go on. Now, is all of it paranormal? Absolutely not. Yeah. Is, is every light you see in the nighttime sky a UFO? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, is every weird little coincidence um, some kind of a spiritual synchronicity that spirit is trying to make you take note of? Um, some would make you believe or would want you to believe that it is. I disagree. I think when something is, is prevalent, when it is um, reoccurring, when it is something that is like, really out of the box and really makes you take notice. Those are the things I think you should pay attention to. But, you know, every fart in the night is not a Bigfoot walking through the woods, you know, yeah. <laughs> and 
Um, you know, I, I preach a lot, you know, to, to my listeners as far as having an open mind and not just in this stuff, having an open mind going out into the world. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's dealing with things that you don't know about. And, you know, maybe you run into somebody who seemed like a real ass to you today, but you don't know what is, you don't know what the rest of their day was like, or you don't know what happened to them, you know, the day before. So try to be open-minded and, you know, be accepting. Um, But on the other hand, use your gut because your gut will usually not lead you astray. So true. And if your gut is telling you something, Pay attention to that and use critical thinking all the time, not just when it comes to whether you believe the, the latest TikTok video of the mm-hmm. Bigfoot walking across the, um, the hillside in Colorado. You know, yeah. oh, my God, that looks so real. Um, well, use some critical thinking and dig into it and find out that less than a mile away from there is a place that uh, actually – advertises having Bigfoot adventures and it is not far off the beaten path, even though it looked like it was very remote. Um, it's less than a mile away from this, uh, this business that has Bigfoot encounter, uh, stuff. So, you know, what better way, (laughs) what better way to advertise your, your mainstay of, uh, income by having, Bigfoot walking around out on the hillside, uh, very close to you. So, Great advertisement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but use critical thinking, you know. And I mean, that's the problem. Social media today is is so full of everybody. You know, for one, it's a wonderful thing because it gives creative people an outlet that they may not have ever come across. But should all those people be creative? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they were to write a book and and put it out as fiction, that'd be fine. But if they're putting videos out and purposely being noncommittal on what they think, tell me what you think. Does this look real? What are your thoughts? Post in the comments below. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen so many videos that are being that are resurfacing from 10 12 years ago yeah. mm-hmm. that have that have absolutely been debunked that have been you know left and and forgotten now these things are all coming back and and you got people you know get 10 12 15 20,000 people that are they're liking these videos that are it's like come on people you know i mean <clears throat> You know, it's a new generation now. Um, you know, you take 20-somethings that are seeing these videos for the first time that were making the making the rounds 10 or 12 years ago. They were 8 or 10 years old. They didn't know anything about it. They didn't see those before. So mm-hmm. it's all new to them. So it's, it's pretty disingenuous. And, again, that's why I always encourage people to use critical thinking. And if it smells like dog do and it looks like dog do <laughs> and it tastes like dog do yeah. it's probably dog do <laughs> um so yeah, it's like that with um i got a new piece of equipment a few years ago the fleur i 
I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I pronounced that sure. correctly. Um, Flear, yeah, forward, forward-looking infrared. Yeah. So when I first got it, because I wasn't a hundred percent sure how to use it, how the how to interpret the readings and everything, I just went around the house. I would put my hand on the wall, and take a reading. You'd see the the, the warm handprint, and I go by five ten minutes mm-hmm. later. The handprint's still there, not as as um, intense, but it was starting to fade, yeah. you know, and that made me think, oh, I, I put it on my, I put my hand on the, my dog's back and it showed up the handprint on her back, you know, um, and it just goes to show that say you were an investigator and one of your team members just finished walking ahead of you and you didn't know, and they had their hand on the wall for whatever reason, you come by with mm-hmm. that piece of equipment and you see a handprint and you think, wow, this is legit. There was a ghost here. Well, no, mm-hmm. your team member, yeah. you know, so you got to know how your equipment works. So just because you you find evidence doesn't necessarily mean you caught something paranormal. You have to look into it a little further. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree 100%. Of course, my first instinct it's is a... like, oh, wow, I get really excited. But then, you know, my mind kick, my brain kicks in and says, okay, I want it so badly to be paranormal, but I can't just... Uh, accept it. I have to look, I have to research it. I have to investigate further. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, to be honest with me, or to be honest with me, to be <laughs> honest with you, um, you know, like I've, I've done some ghost investigations, um, you know, at a graveyard, um, not at, not at midnight, not at three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. And inside of two hours of being out there um, with my kids and some of their friends who, you know, we were all ghost adventures fans and we were all watching every, every week we'd watch the new episodes and it's like, dad, 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 let's go ghost hunting. Let's go ghost hunting. You know, so we did inside of two hours, I captured uh, a very strange anomalous, um, mist that has some form to it that was around a gravestone. Um, and, you know, from watching these shows, uh, I, I say this all the time, anytime you watch a television show that is going to be a weekly program that's going to get you coming back every week, there is a level of production to these shows. And Absolutely. in order for them to continue to get ratings and to get you to come back, they are going to edit and make things look much more dramatic than what are happening Mm -hmm. in real life. Um, That's just the nature of it. And, you know, I'm not saying anything that anybody hasn't already said, but, you know, if you're watching a ghost hunting show and everything for the last three or four seasons has been a demon (laughs) or a portal to hell, um, it makes for good entertainment. And you can learn uh, a little bit about how to actually do an investigation yourself because you can see the type of equipment that's being used and you get a fairly decent idea of how that equipment is used, you know? Um, So, I mean, I think there is some value to it beyond the entertainment value of it. Um, And I learned early on that when you're going to take pictures at an area that you're trying to capture some kind of evidence, um, you take three pictures at a time, click, 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 Mm -hmm. click, click, click. Um, and I did that and 
lo and behold, within a set of the three pictures, I had a very clear picture of the hip of one of my daughter's friends standing to the left of me, the the broken gravestone and the bushes surrounding it and the grass around it. And, and then the next picture had this strange mist that quite honestly, after you look at it for, for some time, you can see some form and shape to it. Um, and then the third picture, that mist was gone and it was back to being just a normal photograph. And the interesting thing about that middle photograph was that in the mist that appears actually changes the focus, the, the focal length and the focus of the camera to focus on it, where in the picture before and the picture after everything was in focus. This tried to focus on the mist and everything else had a slight bokeh effect to it or a, um, a slightly out of focus. So whatever it was, it was there. It tricked the camera into knowing that it was there because it attempted to focus on it. Um, but yet standing there in person, we didn't see it, you know, and this was, this was late summer. So it was, we were still out there in t-shirts and shorts and blue jeans. Mm -hmm. It was not uh, it was not a cold night. So it wasn't the breath from somebody's breathing in the cold air. It was just really anomalous. And, you know, uh, I walked through and I was taking pictures along the, the wooded uh, tree line that kind of defines the outskirts of the, the um, graveyard. And, uh, you know, my son walks in the room as I'm putting the pictures on the, on the computer. And he's like, is that a face? And I said, what? And he's like, is that a face? And I said, where? And he points at it. And in the picture, um, he's like, flip the picture over, like make the bottom, the top and the top, the bottom. Mm -hmm. So I rotated the, rotated the picture and sure enough pops this, this face that looks, um, very similar to like, uh, you remember the band Motley Crue, they had yes. a song called theater or uh, album called theater of pain. I think it was. And it had the, the theatrical masks that were hanging, um, they it looks like a well almost like a death mask or a, a theater mask you know it um, it's not quite a skull but it's not quite a face and it's like you know it, it was upside down in in the normal orientation of how I took the picture but you know I mean it popped out to my son and I turned it over and it's not like Pareidolia. It's not like, yeah, it's kind of there. It's like, holy crap, it's that's a face. That's amazing. You know, and everyone I've ever shown has been like, oh, that no, that's a big note for me. I don't, I would not <laughs> want to see that. Um, Good catch. And then, yeah, and then uh, you know, maybe twenty minutes, half hour later, um, I hear my daughter say, Dad, 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 come over here. It got really cold over here. And I was like, yeah, I sure did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, part of it is, you know, getting out there and experiencing stuff with your kids. Yep. Um, and, you know, at, at the age that they were probably uh, 12 and 13, maybe 13 and 14, um, 
you know, you want them to have some excitement. So, you know, even though you may be thinking, yeah, it didn't get any colder. Um, you know, if that's, you know, if that, if that helps create the, um, the intensity and, and creates a memorable moment that they're always going to remember going, go sunning with their dad. So, um, I, I couldn't really see her. And I said, where are you? And she said, up here near the front of the, by the gate. And then the closer I got up there, I started to see her. And she said, I'm back here. And there were two very large oak trees. I think they were oaks. Um, and then behind that, where she was standing, was a uh, a monument. Kind of looked like a six foot tall version of the the Washington Monument. You know, it was a pillar mm-hmm. that had the triangular shape on top. And I mean, I walked between those two oak trees, and holy shit, she was right. It got considerably cooler after I walked between those two uh, those two trees. And you know, this was nighttime. So it wasn't me walking out of the sun into a shaded area. Mm-hmm. Um, it it wasn't it wasn't breezy. It wasn't windy. So I wasn't I wasn't getting a chill from you know a, a burst of wind or anything. It was legitimately cooler once I passed those two trees and got near that monument. And I can remember thinking to myself, I'm like, holy shit, she was right. It is cool. <laughs> and uh, I had a I had a a pretty nice um it was a higher end Kodak digital um digital camera with optical zoom on it not digital zoom true optical zoom and then in my other hand I had a um a camcorder that was just rolling you know the whole time so in one hand I'm videotaping everything that I'm doing. And in the off chance that I needed to take pictures, I had the camera in my other hand. And, uh, I just happened to be looking at the, um, the monument and like completely out of the clear, absolute nothingness of the dark night. Um, I get this, orb that that appears out of nowhere not not like it came into view it's like it literally manifested in front of me wow and my daughter and i would say that at its at its biggest it might have been slightly smaller than a golf ball um it seemed to be white but not bright and the outside halo of it had a bluish hue to it. And it it popped in and it did this and it was right up near the top and right up near the triangular part of the uh, uh the, the monument. monument. Yeah. And it did this little crazy figure eight-ish zippity zoo. And, and then just poof, it was gone. And on, on the recording, (laughs) I hear my daughter, you know, my daughter standing beside me and she's like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. (laughs) Dad, did you see that? (laughs) You know, 
And she's, you know, like I said, 12, 13. I don't think she was 14 yet. Um, you know, so the dad in me is like, hey, you shouldn't be talking like that. And the <laughs> yeah. other part of me is like, holy shit. Yeah, you're right. I did just see that. <laughs> um, you know, and I I still, to this day, I have that hard drive um, that it is on. And it has proven to be very difficult to get that off of that hard drive. Um, the hard drive had failed. And I just can't bring myself to throw it away because I was able to get a couple of the pictures from that investigation, like the face and the, um, and the, the, the mist that appeared, Mm -hmm. I was able to get those off. Um, but I've still not been able to find anybody who is savvy enough with retrieving, um, information off of a, a dead hard drive to, oh. to get that video. But at the time, at the time when I had done it, somewhere in my ex-wife's house, there is a DVD that has that video on it. And I did it in three different um, times. I, I slowed it down to 25%. I slowed it down to 50%. And then I slowed it down to 75% of its speed because like my camera, my, uh, my video camera was pointed in the perfect direction that I got it all. And it is so quick from the time that it just pops into view, does its little zippity zoo. And then, (coughs) excuse me, then it's gone. Um, so, you know, turning it to 50 and 75% of its normal speed, you do actually just see this, like, little pinpoint of light that that starts, and it becomes about the size of a golf ball. You know, like I said, maybe a little Good bit size. smaller. And And then it just does this crazy, like, flight path (laughs) you know and it was it wasn't like it went anywhere it was just kind of zigzagged around in front of us and then it was gone as quickly as it it came back or as quickly as it came in and uh i mean that was a great catch so you know at the end of the and then uh one of the other things was my son had been walking around with he had one of his first iphones and he had the voice messenger open and he was using that to try to do um evps and I didn't really hold a whole lot of hope for EVPs because back at that time, I was still under the impression that there was very specific voice recorder that was only capable of catching EVPs. And I believe that was a, um, was it a Panasonic? Um, if you try to get one now, you have to get them on eBay and they're almost five or $600 oh, and it's ouch. just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but at that time, I was under the impression that there was only a very specific kind of recorder that could pick up EVPs. I did not realize you could do it with just about anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I loaded his his voice memos onto the onto the computer, and I was listening through it. And I hear him say, you know, in a very kind manner, because I told the kids when we got there, I said, this is this is a resting place of people who have passed. This is not here for you to yuck it up, to have a bunch of fun, and to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. If you want to do this, we're going to do this in a way that is respectful to the, the people who are laid to rest here. And, you know, save your, your horse shit and your, your playing around for when we get back to the house. This is not to be taken lightly. 
And so when I was listening to his recording um, back on the computer, it it struck me as being, you know, they paid attention to me. They listened to me. And he was like, hi, my name is Jake. I, you know, we're, we're just trying to get some evidence of, of anything out here. If you're around and you want to get a message to somebody that is still alive or somebody that you knew, you know, you can talk into this and, you know, we might be able to hear you and, you know, so he was he was taking it serious, and you could tell there were certain things that he was saying that he was picking up from from watching these shows that we had watched, and uh, and I hear a response in an EVP, and it very much sounds like you shouldn't be here. Really. And when I when I heard it, I was immediately struck with the feeling that. Um my gut impression was that it was an elderly lady and it wasn't a, it wasn't a threatening thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't scary. It wasn't like you shouldn't be here. Um, it was, it, it, it gave me the impression of like an older mature woman basically just saying, this isn't your place. You, you shouldn't be here, you know, which by rights we shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have any we didn't have any loved ones that were laid to rest in this uh, in this graveyard. It was we were there for the sole purpose of, you know, maybe scaring, getting getting a little scared before <laughs> before bed, and you know, the off chance that we might catch something. Um, and I never played it for him because at that age, I think he, I think that might have like. Uh, scarred him <laughs> from <laughs> from his interest in yeah. in this stuff, um, so I didn't play it for him for years until years later, probably maybe like three years ago was the first time that I ever, um, and that that actually is on the hard drive too. So um, I had managed to transfer that, and you know, like so. Here's my problem with EVPs, you know. You hear some EVPs, and the people that collect it will say, this is a Class A EVP. And, yeah, you can hear something. Um, you know, the problem with these shows, though, when they put subtitles up on the screen and tell you what they hear, yes. that, that is a pow- that's a powerful thing because mm-hmm. now you have that planted in your head. Yep. And it's very difficult to listen to that and not have what they put in your head and try to form, does that sound like they're saying this? You know, and more times than not, I don't get what they're saying. Me too. You know, you know, it's, it's much different. Um, Syllable wise. Yeah. Maybe the syllables lined up. Maybe it's the same number of syllables. Maybe it's a, you know, but it's so, it's so difficult that, you know, I mean, as cool as EVPs are, I, I have, I have issues with it and, you know, spirit boxes as well. They're, they're interesting. They're creepy. When you get something that seems relevant, it's like, mm, I don't know that I like that, <laughs> but, um, you know, the one and only time that I've ever used a spirit box and really got something that was, kind of made me take notice was um, we were investigating a haunted cottage 
that my my daughter's now boyfriend uh, was living in, actually still lives in. Um, and he he had taken um, an EMF detector and put it in his closet. And it was really, I mean, it's a small cottage. It has a very weird um, walk-in closet in his bedroom because it's a very, very small door. And then once you get past the door, then the room opens up to a decently sized walk-in closet. Um, but he says he always feels weird, like when he's laying there facing that closet. So he put the, um, the EMF detector in there and he was getting some lights lighting up on it. And uh, I came into the room and we stopped getting lights as soon as I sat down next to him, uh, like on the edge of his bed. And I said, turn on the, um, the spirit box. And he did. And of course you get the, you know, and it's so loud that it's like so annoying that if anything happened in that room, you would never hear it because of the static being so loud. And, and I asked the question, which I had been asking for the most of the night, which was, are you a man or are you a woman? Um, and we heard back a man. Hmm. And then um, almost immediately after that, we heard Susan. Oh. So we are like, okay, so we got a guy and a girl, you know? Um, and so this, this cottage that he's renting and still is, um, is, is it's part of a large segment of property that is owned on a lake in around Kalamazoo, Michigan. And that property is owned by a ministry. So, Everything in this uh, cottage is either nautical as far as the decorations or it is um, something to do with religion and God. And there's a, there's a really cool um, like Shaker-style bookcase with a glass front on it, um, and it's, you know, four and a half, five feet tall and like 10 feet long. Yeah, this thing has to cost a fortune. Um, but it's from, from one end to the other, it's just filled with books. And every book in that case is something to do about God, Christianity, spirituality. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like, oh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of reading about, yeah. you know, religious stuff. I mean, it, it, not that it's creepy, but it seems like an unnatural amount of religious stuff that would like be in the same place. It's like you'd have to get incredibly bored <laughs> with reading nothing but that stuff. No kidding. Um, so, the, one of my next questions was, you know, do you find comfort in being here because there is so much religious iconography throughout the the cottage? And we hear it say, our Lord. Hmm. But it was, in, it was in his voice. So the guy that was sitting next to me, my daughter's boyfriend, mm-hmm. 
what we both heard through the spirit box sounded like his voice saying our Lord. Really? And he looked at me and he's like, dude, did that sound like me? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that sounded just like you. Um, you know, so in the, in the few times that I've done investigations, it's been relatively ridiculously easy to get a significant amount of evidence. I don't think that's the case for everybody. I don't know if there is something that I am more tuned into. And I mean, I've never really felt like there was, but as we were talking before we started recording, I've had a number of things happen throughout my life, starting at the age of five of being completely obsessed with UFOs. I'm 58 years old. Mm -hmm. So 55 years ago, (laughs) there were no streaming services. Um, There were no weekly television shows about UFOs. There was no uh, ancient aliens or anything like that. I can remember seeing the commercial for uh, one of the earliest documentaries, which was um, a book that had been written by Eric Van Donneken. And it was... um, Oh, good Lord, what's the name of it now? Um, I'm gonna Google. Boy, I got a I got a blank spot in my brain. Um, what was the last? Chariots name? of the Gods. Oh, oh, yes. Chariots yes. of the Gods yeah. was the name of the movie. And uh, I can remember seeing the television commercial for this documentary or for this movie, and I just bugged the crap out of my parents. Please take me. Please take me. Please take me. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. And uh, finally, my parents had gone someplace, and my dad's mom, my grandmother, was babysitting me, and I finally talked her into it. And so she took me to see it. And it it came out in 1970. I was born in 65. I was only five years old. Um, I don't understand why I have always – I've always been frustrated because, to me, the idea of life beyond what we know of it – and, you know, strange lights in the skies have always seemed to resonate as not being BS to me. You know, it, it, I couldn't understand why people would be like, wow, you're crazy. That, you know, um, and then, you know, throughout my early teens, you know, I had some weird experiences with things that um, might go hand in hand with my my Catholic upbringing. Um I'm not practicing now, but at the time I was, and, um, you know, then my dad passed, uh, in, in the late eighties, I was only 21, I believe when he passed away and, you know, I ended up having some experiences with him that were, I, I had some experiences with something after he had passed. And by the end of it, it had become very, very obvious to me that it was my dad because of some of the things that had been kind of pointed to Mm -hmm. during it. Um, And I've just always had this, I've always had this stuff kind of like happen on the periphery of my life. I've never... I've never really felt that there was 
anything acting on me. It was almost like a, a knock on the door. Mm-hmm. Hey, pay attention. We're here. Um, kind of thing. And, you know, it, it wasn't until um, very recently, um, the, the 10th of September, um, I host a Bigfoot conference. Um called Bigfoot and Bruce. I have speakers come in to talk about Bigfoot. And I'm not talking about just, you know, everyday Joes. I have Ron Moorhead came in last year. I had uh, um, uh, Robert Kreider and Stacey Brown Jr. from Florida come in this year. And, you know, we, it's held at a brewery. So it's a nice relaxed environment where there's plenty to plenty to eat. There's plenty to, you know, take part in some drinks throughout the day. I have vendors for the, for the people to uh, peruse through a bunch of different, uh, you know, t-shirts and sculptures and jewelry and anything that's kind of on topic with, uh, with Bigfoot. And uh, it was, it's very strange because um, they're really, (laughs) I mean, some people make the argument that there is some spirituality or some spiritual nature to Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And I don't disagree with that, but that's not typically what we're covering there. We're, t- we're talking about, you know, the best case evidence that can be brought forth to indicate that there is actually something that's leaving these footprints in the dirt or the mud out in the woods. And we Actual don't know what it is. Blood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it's maybe midday, uh, maybe a little, you know, maybe closer to one in the afternoon. Everything, everything started at 10, kind of kicked off at 11. Uh, my first speaker, Robert Carter, he was about two hours into his, uh, his presentation. And, um, one of my discord members who, you know, I mean, JJ, your friend, mine, um, she was there with a, a, a table. My girlfriend, Stacy was there. This was her first experience seeing me um, running a conference, you know. Um, she, that weekend, she saw me in just about every stage of, um, you know, whether being relaxed or enjoying myself or stressed to the hilt and worried that things were going to go right. And, you know, are the, are the speakers going to be here? Did I get all the flights paid for? Is everything covered? You know, am I going to be reaching into my pocket to pay for some of this stuff? Um, she saw me at my very best and she saw me at my very worst. So, you know, that was a little stressful. I didn't know how she was going to react as far as, you know, seeing that one end of the spectrum to the other with me. Um, JJ was there. She was doing her thing. Uh, a very last minute uh, thing popped up that one of my one of my guests, Archbishop Christina Reich from the old uh, the old Catholic Church in uh, Chicago, Illinois. She messaged me like two days before and said, "I can't believe this, but you know my weekend opened up and I'd really love to come see your your Bigfoot and Bruce thing." And I was like, that's fantastic. I said, just get your butt here and, you know, I'll take care of everything else. And then 
JJ's husband wasn't able to attend, so you know she had an extra ticket to the uh, VIP dinner the night before, so she gave that ticket to Christina, and everything just worked out. And uh, I had this Discord member who was there, um, kind of helping JJ with her table. And I had gotten through just getting to go to all the different tables. How's everybody doing? Where are you from today? How'd you hear about the event? You know, just just checking in on everybody, making sure that, you know, they're getting their food on time and house service and, you know, because being at a brewery, their, you know, their, um, their responsibility to me, my responsibility to them was to bring a bunch of people in to buy their food and their, their drink. Mm -hmm. And in turn, I expect their responsibility to me is that all those people that came to hear my speakers are going to get serviced well. So, you know, I'm, I'm checking in with every table, seeing how everybody's doing. Everybody's got rave reviews. Everything's great. And, uh, I just kind of take a minute to go sit down on the edge of, of one of the picnic tables and kind of take a breath and, and just let it sink in that, you know, the speakers are here. I got friends here. I've got family there. My, my son and my daughter are there. Um, my girlfriend who I, I, I care deeply for, she's there. Um, and you know, extended friendships, you know, from JJ came all the way out from California to, to be a vendor at this and experience it. And, you know, Christina who had been a guest, she's there. And I was just like getting a moment to let everything soak in and just kind of get my first breath of the day. Like, okay, everything's going good. I can relax. And um, this discord member, Jess comes walking over to me as I'm sitting literally on the corner of a picnic table. And she says, Eric, I want to introduce you to, I can't remember her name. And she said, she's had some experiences and wanted to tell you about, about dog man and Bigfoot. And I was like, Oh, shit, absolutely sit down. Yeah. And, uh, she sits down, you know, a, about a, a, butt but with difference, you know, between the two of us. And um, I'm thinking Bigfoot and Dogman, right? Um, and she starts telling me about having this um, this attachment and that her dad has this attachment and she's afraid that it goes back in her family. And she starts talking about, suicide and, you know, thoughts of suicide and depression and anxiety and, and ADHD and all this stuff. And I mean, when I tell you that within three minutes, I had just had the happiest moment of my, my weekend or my day there for sure, where I was able to take a breath, soak it all in relax in, in, and be resolute in the idea that everything that I could have done, I've done. And then, you know, everything on top of it is just gravy to ugly crying, um, uncontrollably beside this woman who I have no idea who she is in front of, you know, a hundred people who are in the audience 
in front of uh, two gentlemen that I respect highly as, as speakers, um, I cannot control my emotions. And I, when I say ugly crying, I do not cry pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I, quite honestly, I mean, I don't, I'm not a crier. Um, you know, whether it's a, a guy thing or whatever, you know, it's just I don't cry a lot. Um, and while I was sitting there, next to her. Now, mind you, if three minutes has passed, there could, it couldn't be any more. It happened that quick. Within three minutes, I felt like the best I can explain it is if you had somebody come up behind you and start off to the side of your back and just lightly with their fingertips just lightly enough for you to just barely be able to tell that it's there. Go up from about the middle of the right side of your back and then like over the caps of your shoulders. I felt this creepy, um, just, you know, I'll use words that I'm familiar with, but I don't think it quite does it justice, but like this, oppressive, this depressing, this um, not good feeling just like creep up my back. And all I could do was like try to look up because I was trying to hide my face. And I look up and sitting directly in front of me, two tables away, is Archbishop Christina Rake. And as I've said, I was born and raised Catholic, but I'm not practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I look up just in time to see a server deliver a plate of food to the archbishop. And I'm, I'm shaking at this point. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't go interrupt her. She just got her food dropped off at her table. And I did not want to interrupt that, but I was so, I was so concerned with what I was feeling that I ended up grabbing that girl by the hand and I took her over to Christina's table. The girl went around Christina and then sat on the opposite side of the table. So she would be facing Christina. I was standing beside Christina. I leaned over the table basically had my hands over my face and I said, you need to talk to her. And she's like, honey, what is going on? What, what's the matter with you? Mm. You know, and she put her hand on my back and she was patting my back. And to the left of me was one of the, uh, one of the uh, a gentlemen that I know from, from previous events. Um, he reached over and gave me a, a napkin or a paper towel or something, you know, to, to wipe the, the tears off my yeah. eyes. And she's like, honey, what, I mean, something bad happened or what? And I said, you need to talk to her. And I said, all I could get out was it's not good. It's very bad. Hmm. And she's like, okay, okay. And at that point I was like, I got to get out of here. I wanted to run. I just wanted to distance myself from everything. Um, so, I, I was like, I was looking for, um, 
I was looking for a peace, like a calm, like where can I go to like get back into a good headspace? Mm-hmm. And um, just to compose yourself. I went behind. Yeah, and I, uh, I I'm I'm a little fuzzy. I don't know if I went back to where my girlfriend was at behind my um, vendor's table first or if I went outside the entire area to the van that I was using to transport all my equipment. I think I went to the van first. And uh, I got on the opposite side of the van. The driver's side of the van was... So I had the van between me and everybody that was in the venue because this was an outdoor venue underneath a big tent. And uh, I opened up the... I opened up the door to the van. I reached in and I grabbed a cigar and the little, the little divot where you, you step into the van to get kind of like a leg up. I sat my butt down in there and I, I lit up the cigar and I was just, I needed to be away from everybody and try to process what, what was going on. And, uh, my son comes running over to the, to the van and he tells me, Dad, you're freaking me out. What's going on? Rachel's getting sick, and and you're crying. I've never seen you cry like this. Why are you crying? I haven't seen you cry like this since Johnny died, you know, 12 or 13 years ago. And I'm like, Rachel's getting sick. And he's like, yeah, when you were sitting on the picnic table talking to your that girl, Rachel just, like, stood up and said, oh, crap, I'm going to be sick. And then she stood up on her chair and leaned her head over the privacy fence at the back of this event and vomited like profusely and I'm like I'm like dude I I said I can't talk about this right now I can't get through this I said I'm okay I said you just you gotta give me some time you know like if you see somebody coming over like intercept keep them away from me let me just try to get through this Mm -hmm. and it was at that point that I'm I'm going back over what she's saying, and she said that, you know, that this was something that her dad was dealing with and that she was dealing with and that she felt had been deeply embedded in her family. And I'm like, what's going through my head is a generational attachment. Yep. And why is my daughter getting sick, like violently vomiting, at the same time that I'm feeling this attack coming up my back and I'm, you know, I was a bouncer for years in my younger days. I'm not afraid of many people. (laughs) I'm not, you know, smart or not smart. I'm just, I'm not afraid of people. I'm not afraid of going into a haunted house. Uh, You know, I mean, I, I would not stand there in front of, the devil or a demon and be like, yeah, screw you. I don't care. I would not do that. (laughs) Um, but I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a overly emotional mess. And I was, I was literally, I was freaked out. I was very concerned for, for my health. And now I'm concerned that if this is a generational thing, is it going after my generations as well? Because my, my daughter and my son are there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so my son leaves and a few minutes later, my daughter comes 
like running over and she goes like, Oh my God, Jake said, you're, you're crying. What, what the hell's going on? I just got sick. And, but yet now she's bouncing around like, like nothing's wrong. She doesn't feel bad. She just all of a sudden had a vomit and now she's fine. That's odd. And yeah, it's very odd. And, you know, I'm still trying to get myself composed, but now I'm starting to worry more about my extended family that's there and Mm -hmm. potentially my girlfriend. And so I told her, I said, I can't talk about this. Everything's fine. Dad's fine. Just go back to doing your thing and, you know, I'll get this figured out. And, uh, so, I mean, maybe I get through half of my cigar, you know, and at this point, you know, maybe from the time that that girl sat down next to me and, you know, maybe 15, 18 minutes has gone by. I mean, that's how fast all of this is going. Not a lot of time at all. And no, not at all. And, uh, so I, I kind of feel like a little bit of a calm. I'm not, I'm, I don't have tears running down my face anymore. I'm, I'm still freaked out, but you know, I'm like, all right. So I'm, I believe at this point I make my way back to, um, behind the table with, with Stacy, my girlfriend, um, I, a friend of mine from work was helping with the table. So she's sitting there and, and another guy I know, and my friend from work, she's looking at me kind of freaked out. Like, you know, this, I have never seen this part of you. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Um, the gentleman that I do the, uh, uh, agnostic and the, near the devout and the agnostic, um, he puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like, you're all right, buddy. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. And, um, I knew that she had said it, but it didn't really kind of hit me until my girlfriend, you know, I sat down on a cooler, I have a big Yeti cooler and I sat down on that next to her behind my table. And she's like, that this whole thing, this is really weird. And, you know, kudos to her because this is her first experience with any of this stuff, um, like in person. So, you know, I, yeah, I really could not, um, I could not have blamed her for wanting to get the hell out of there. Cause like, you know, like all you guys are nuts and I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, but she didn't, but what she did say to me, I remember it happening when it happened, but it didn't stick with me until she said it. And she's like, that was really weird what she said to you when you walked away. Because my girlfriend was sitting facing the back of Christina Rake, and she saw the girl sitting across from Christina. Um, When I left that table to go like hide and find someplace to be out of everybody's eye. Um, That girl looked at me very stoically, no emotion on her face. And she said, you are so empathetic. Thank you. That didn't sound like it was in a good way. It until, until Stacy said that was, she like didn't have any emotion on her face when she said that. And as I played it back in my head, I was definitely getting the feeling that it was thanking me for giving it what it wanted. Mm -hmm. 
And what it wanted was that reaction out of me. It knew it got a hook in me. And it was thanking me. And then I started to freak. Then I started thinking, I'm not, I don't, I don't want this. Mm -hmm. It's still there. I can feel it. And uh, I got up and I walked to the edge of the, uh, the bar that they had outside for us. And I ordered a, an ice water. And Christina walks up to me. And she goes, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I am not okay. I said, what the hell is going on with that girl? And she starts to tell me that um, it's Christina. The, the thing I love about Christina is not only is she a female archbishop in the old Catholic church, you know, in order, in order to process that, you have to understand that she has overcome an awful lot of um, roadblocks, yep. you know, especially in the Catholic church to have been able to not only become a, a priest, but uh, an archbishop in a time that, you know, everybody's supposed to be open and accepting of everybody and, you know, whatever they want to consider themselves to be. Um, but the, the natural, the natural order of the, the Catholic church um, was never, um, you know, if you were, if you wanted to be in the, the religious family, you were relegated to being a nun or, mm -hmm. or something like that. And she managed to, to circumvent that and get around that and actually be doing the things that she felt she was called to in life, which is serve God. And she said that she's written a book called God and the Paranormal. And, and Christina has some gifts as far as um, some, I don't know if you'd want to call it clairvoyancy or mediumship. Um, she is not just, she has some gifts. Mm -hmm. And she said that when that girl sat down at the table with her, that her, her spiritual protection basically slammed down a gate in front of her and was like, nope, you are not engaging with this. And she thought that was very strange. She said she's only had that happen uh, a couple of times in her life where she just simply was not getting anything as far as being able to read this girl or understand, uh, get you know, a, a read on, on what was going with this, with this girl. And, uh, I said, I don't feel right. And she's like, would you like me to pray over you? And I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> do it now. Let, let's do it now. And, and, I mean, I apologize for my language, but it was, it was that, um, like when she said that, that was like, Oh my God, that's a lifeline. Yeah. Yes. Do it. Let's do it now. And I said, you know, I let's step out of the arena where everything was going on because I didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want everybody to see in this. Yeah. So we stepped out. So we stepped out through a gate into the, on the backside of the privacy fence. And I, I, 
put my arms up on the fence and I just, I was kind of leaning forward and uh, I, I looked off to my right and she's standing there and I said, what, what, what the hell's going on with her? And she's like, she's like, dear, it, I'm not sure that it's a demon. I don't get the feeling that it's a demon. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, but I don't know what it is. She's like, all I can tell you is I know for sure that this thing is embedded in her family line and it goes back a long, long way. She's like, it's not just her and her dad. She's like, this thing is embedded. And I said, okay. And she says, but I don't know what it is. I've never been in this position. I don't know what it is. And she said, I do know that if I were to try to remove this, there would have to be multiple people involved. And I would have to be assured that there was going to be some level of, um, some level of aftercare that was going to be able to be provided by the church. And I honestly don't know that she would know how to live without it because it has been a part of her for her entire life. Holy crap. And I, I looked at her and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, not, not in the sense that I didn't understand what she was saying, but literally what are you speaking about? And she said, are you ready? And I said, yeah, fuck yeah, do it now. And she stepped to the back of me. And as she was passing my right ear to walk behind me, I heard her say, I'm going to say the right. And then I felt her hand on my back very lightly. And in my head, I was, I was going over what she had just been saying and, and what she said as she stepped behind me. She didn't say she was going to pray over me. She said she was going to say the right. And I thought that doesn't seem to be the right thing to say with what I was expecting. And when she laid her hand on my back, my knees buckled and I thought I was going to go down to the ground. I didn't, but they buckled hard. And again, I go back to, I was born and raised Catholic. I'm not practicing. I have a, I have a considerable, a considerable amount of issues with organized religion, with whatever those are. Um, I don't, I don't agree with a lot of the things. I don't like the way things are. Um, my, my spirituality with my, my relationship with my creator and with a, a Holy spirit is a much more personal thing than anybody standing up in front of me telling me how to do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're, you're going to be left behind and, and all that shit. Um, but as she prayed, as she said this right, um, it dawned on me that she was probably saying the minor rite of exorcism. Whoa. And that freaked me. That freaked me the hell out. I would imagine. And I can tell you, I can tell you that what I had on my back felt like a weighted blanket. It, it went across my head, over my shoulders, and across my back. And as she prayed, it was like 
it was as if someone much taller than me was able to grab that weighted blanket by my shoulders and just lift it straight off of me. I literally felt it when it left. Um, and then she kind of rubbed my back a little bit and she stepped back off to the side of me and I said, did you just say the minor right of exorcism? And all she did was smile. And all she did was just kind of, it wasn't even a nodding of a yes or a no. It was just kind of a, it was just kind of like a bobblehead moment where she was smiling and, <laughs> you know, kind of, just kind of bounced her head back and forth a little bit. And, you know, she just kept patting my shoulder and kind of rubbing her hand across my back and, and I was fine. It was done. I didn't have any more emotional outbursts throughout the day. Um, we were barely halfway through the day. Uh, everything was fine. I wasn't, um, I wasn't, uh, like, um, you know, Hawkeye and this girl. I mean, I saw her, um, and there, and until she had prayed over me, when I would look back at that girl at certain points, I was immediately flooded with that. Oh shit. Here we go again. I couldn't stop the tears, you know, couldn't wait to find someplace to try to get out of people's eyesight because I didn't want them to see me doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, but after we walked back in, after she had prayed over me, um, it was gone and I could look at her. Um, she left rather immediately after that. Um, she had never been sitting with anybody. She was alone. She, um, you know, what I remember when I saw her sitting by herself, I thought it was odd because it was very sunny. She was very pale complected, um, almost like a strawberry blonde hair, you know, and not somebody I would have thought would have been sitting out in the sun when everybody else was under the tent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, a couple of times I tried watching her eyes and she was not really focusing on anything. She obviously wasn't paying attention to the speaker at the time. Um, her eyes just kind of darted around everything. I, I mean, you know, like you can, in a group of people like that, you know, you can tell if somebody's engaged into what the speaker's talking about or, you know, maybe this speaker isn't really what they want to hear, so they're waiting for the next one, so they're having a conversation at the table, you know, with whoever they came with or, you know, you, you can get an idea of a level of are these people bought into this or are they not? Do they do they like this guy? Do they not like this guy? And this, you know, each time that I looked over at her, her eyes were just darting around dart and dart and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, um, you know, JJ had, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but JJ had uh, apparently gone out to have a, a cigarette break, uh, when all this was going and, you know, but God, I love JJ, but you know, she, you know, she felt that, you know, like by her leaving that area that, you know, maybe that left me somewhat unprotected, by her bubbling and her light work. I mean, I don't know. It's possible. And she may be right. She may be wrong. I don't, you know, that's, that's not my area of expertise. So, um, 
all I can tell you is that sitting next to that girl, I felt something crawl across my back and it latched on. And it wasn't until I had, of all things, a Catholic priest, <laughs> a Catholic archbishop, yep. um, who was there by chance. There was no good reason for her to be there. I had asked her way in advance if she wanted to come. She said she wasn't going to be able to because her schedule was so. And then, you know, two days beforehand, her schedule opens up. She she messages me, says she wants to come. She gets a free ticket. Um you know, just everything falls in line with putting her as being, when I looked up from this initial event, she's the first one that I see. Um, and I even, like after she had said the right or prayed or whatever she did over me, um, I looked at her and God love her because even though she's a archbishop, she, she's got a sailor mouth on her. <laughs> and I really appreciate that about her because you don't have to really worry about how you express yourself in, in her presence. And, and I looked at her and I said, fuck, does this mean I'm still Catholic? <laughs> yeah, you know? Um, and, and we just kind of laughed and chuckled about it. And, you know, I don't think it, I don't think that it has anything to do with being Catholic or a Christian or, you know, a Muslim or a Jewish or anything like that. I think what the testament to that whole situation was that the power of prayer is effective. And I felt an immediate and, and her prayer was silent. She did not say anything out loud. So it wasn't a matter of hearing some comforting um, terms or some comforting uh, things that I remember from the time when I was in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was silent. So I didn't know what she was saying. Um, but I, I felt an immediate release of, of whatever that was that was draped over my back. And, and for the rest of the time, it was fine. Um, this... I, in this, my telling of this to you, I have managed to get through this without getting choked up. Um, because I've kind of tried to, um, I've, I've tried to kind of distance myself from the, the feelings that I had mm-hmm. when this was all going on. Um, so I've managed to, this is, the first time, and I have not talked about it much. Um, I did talk about this. Uh, this was my presentation at the 40 and airwaves this last weekend. Um, and again, I lost my shit. I cried in front of 80 plus people, um, multiple times. I had to stop and kind of gain my composure. Um, and that's embarrassing, you know, but even though it's embarrassing, I think that it was very, um, I think it was important for people to see how, especially people who listen to my show, know me through that show and my, um, my, my logical mind. And, you know, I don't necessarily buy into everything, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at things with a critical critical mind and I, I listened to my gut. Um, but I think it was really important for people to hear that and understand that 
you don't you don't even have to be out looking for this, and it can happen to you. I mean, I was I was in the best place I could possibly have been. I was surrounded by friends. I was surrounded by family members. I was surrounded by the woman that I love. And I was surrounded by people who listened to my podcast and listened to me every week. I mean, everybody there was there because of me. And, And I'm not saying that to be like an egotistical thing, but literally everyone was there for me. It was... My children were there because they're my children. My girlfriend was there because she wants to be a part of my life. You know, some of the vendors there were vendors because they're my friends. And, you know, people in the audience are the the listeners that make up my show. Because I, I literally, each time I do this, I ask for a, a show of hands. How did you... How did you find out about this event? Was it a Facebook post? Was it listening to the episodes where I talk about it beforehand? You know, and every almost everyone in that place, when you say, did you hear about it on the podcast? They raise their hand. So, I mean, that tells me everybody has listened to the show at least once or twice, if not on a regular basis. And it's like, I could not have been in, in a better place, you know, as far as feeling, um, feeling good about what, what was going on. There's so much positivity. And absolutely. And uh, you know, I guess, and I used the term when I, when I told it at 14 airwaves, it was like, it, this is almost, I almost won't have to say this because I think it's a cautionary tale that you don't have to be like delving into these things deeply. You don't, it's, it's not something that can only happen to you if you're like inviting it or, um, you know, hell, I, it's been, been a long time since I'd even been in a house that, uh, would have considered, you know, something going on. And it was not, this was just, it was a freaking Bigfoot conference. Yeah. And, and boom, like that, I, I had an attachment. And, and it was quick. It, again, it, it literally attached itself to you so quickly. Oh yeah. And the other thing that I thought was really um, was really uniquely uh, uniquely odd to the way Christina described it. It was not. It was not transferring to me. It was spreading like a virus. She didn't think that it had any intentions of leaving her or her dad or anybody else in the family who had been struggling with this. It was, it was multiplying. It was spreading like a virus. And I was, I was the next thing. And, um, you know, the fact that my daughter gets violently ill and is vomiting over the, the fence at the same time that I'm getting this attack. Yeah. hundred percent. Maybe I'm reading stuff into it. Maybe it had absolutely nothing to it. Maybe it was a complete coincidence, <clears throat> but I don't know. That's a, that's a pretty big coincidence to me. So do you think, do you think that you were targeted or did it just happen to be there? And it was like, so when you said that she was sitting and just, wasn't paying attention to any of the speakers and the eyes are darting around. Do you think that woman was actually looking for you or just looking for anyone to be able to spread this? 
Uh, that's a good question. And I've, I've brought that up with several people and everybody's pretty much said the same thing. And that is that, um, if you listen to my show, you will understand about me that I am about getting the truth out mm-hmm. and not, um, not necessarily being one that helps support or perpetrates horseshit. Um, I'm not trying to put out information that is, um, is not true or factual just to get people to listen to me. And unfortunately, there are people out there that, whether it's in a podcast or a YouTube videos or TikTok or Instagram, they're out there doing that. That's too many um, of them. The kind of kind of for full circle to what I was talking about at the beginning of the 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 recording here. Um, basically, what I was told was that I have a voice, that I am a beacon. And I can see the eye rolls now. Believe me, this isn't an ego thing. I I know I know my role in all this. I am not a huge, huge show. I'm not the confessionals. I'm not Sasquatch Chronicles, you know. Mm-hmm. But I have a voice and my listeners are very engaged with with me. Um I think that they have a respect for the way I conduct my interviews and the way I conduct my, um, my thoughts about certain things. And I, from what I've been told that, you know, this thing either wanted to change my beliefs because Christina flat out said, she said, had you gone home with this and, didn't try to rid yourself of it immediately. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's strong. It would have, it would have, it would have taken hold and been a real mother to get rid of. Um, so was it, was its intention to, to get to me and change the way I do things? Was it to change, you know, be more accepting of, of bullshit than, you know, let, let things on the show that I don't necessarily, that I tried not to now, you know, having a voice in the sense that one, you wouldn't believe the number of people that comment on my literal voice. It's like, <laughs> you know, you call the show uncomfortable, but you make people very comfortable being a guest and to listen to because of your tone of your voice because of the way you, your, your cadence, the way you speak to people. I totally agree. Um, and, and to me, that's insane because when I hear myself recorded and played back, I don't get it. I can't stand my voice. I love your I've voice. I've never been able <laughs> well, thank you. But I just, you know, I, I think most people probably don't like to see themselves in pictures or in video or, you know, hear themselves and I think that's, that's just it, but yeah. it seems to be the, the point of it seems to be that I have a voice and that those people that listen to me are, um, smart enough to recognize that what I do is, is for good, 
good and right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it wanted to change how I did things. Maybe it wanted me to get out of the game entirely. You know, I, I don't know, had I not been able to get rid of it, I don't know how that plays out moving forward. You know, well, to be able to have the archbishop there, just all of a sudden her weekend opens up. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously she was sent there for a reason, and that was for you. Because had she not been there, you probably wouldn't, well, I, mean, I know you wouldn't be the same person right now as we're speaking. You would not be the same right. person. I agree. Hundred percent. So, um, you know, <laughs> when you hear somebody say God works in mysterious ways, it sure does. Um, you know, I guess, I guess so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I really, um, I really, you know, and and it's weird because you know since this has happened, um, it's made me, it's made me think about God. I prefer you know, my creator, um, because I think God is a, is a very hard reference back to, um, organized religions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, obviously I said I've had, I have issues with that, but I, it, it makes me think about our creator and it makes me think about spirit and how it acts with us and interacts with us. And, whether it has, um, it's able to compose interactions and, and things like that. And it has made me literally since this day of this event, I, it's been something that has crossed my mind every day since. And, you know, I, I, I say that with no follow-up because I don't know, I don't know what that means. Is it, you know, is it trying to remind me that I need that in my life? Is it trying to remind me that, hey, don't lose sight of whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It still has power. It still is a it still is a binding, powerful thing in, in all of our lives. Whether you believe in it or not, it can still have a good effect. And like I said, when I had the uh, kind of introduced it as a cautionary tale. It's like, I don't care what you believe, but what I want you to take away from this is you can believe that there is something that can act on your behalf. I don't care what you want to call it, Mm -hmm. you know, and honestly, I don't, where I always needed to know where I always had questions and I still do, don't get me wrong. um, That, that need to know, what it is and why it is isn't as strong as it was before this happened. So, as you know, this is the second time I've heard about this um, incident, and I do notice a huge difference in your voice. Um, the first time you mentioned it, there was still so fresh, and you oh, had yeah. so much emotion yeah. in your voice, and there still is a little bit there now, but not as intense as the first time I heard it. So, um, I yeah. can tell that you're doing a lot better, but how, like, how are you doing now? Have you talked to the Archbishop more about this? Um, you know, it's funny because here's another strange thing. I mean, I had um, some emails back and forth, and there's almost a there's almost a strange blindness on her part as to what happened. There is a, a, a significant, a, a significantly 
lower degree of, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Mm-hmm. Now, with her, she doesn't remember saying, I'm going to say the right as she stepped behind me, oh, which wow. I clearly heard in my right, which I clearly heard in my right ear. So, I mean, it's weird. Sounds like a greater power um, was there and, and helping. You know, I, that, I mean, I adore and, you know, my, my listeners, they'll, they'll have an opportunity to hear from her again because she'll be on another episode. Um, but it's strange that knowing how uh, emotional and how, how wrecked I was at that point in time that, you know, and, and maybe it, you know, maybe it's just, she is not, um, in the reading of an email, it, the emotion of that, uh, wasn't coming through on her end. Yeah. Um, but it's, it sounded very like, Oh, you're fine. Everything's good. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, so it, it's definitely contrast to, uh, to the way it was where we were in person. But it may also be a testament to the amount of experience that she has with this kind of stuff, that this was small potatoes compared to some of the things that she has seen and and been a part of. Um, It was big potatoes to me. um, Yes. But it could be her way too of, of, um, uh, reassuring you that uh, she's got it all, you're good, uh, try and get past it. Yeah. Yeah, very possible. So. Wow. I, I, this is so the that's my time. story. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, this is the second time I hear it, and it still gives me shivers. Like, it's just, it's, I've, like, what the hell was it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, I hope you never, ever or anybody else listening to this or anybody ever encounters anything like that again. Oh, absolutely. Me too. Me too. Wow. It just blindsided but, and, you because you, like you said, it was a Bigfoot Dogman conference. Yeah. There, no, no, <laughs> no reason, no reason to have any kind of anticipation for uh, some kind of <laughs> a dark, uh, oppressive attachment yeah. at, uh, at a Bigfoot conference. You know, it just... <laughs> Your guard was down. You know, you're not the first one to say that. Um, Christine, I believe it was, it's hard. There there were a number of people that I talked to in a very short amount of time under a lot of duress. Um, so I'm not exactly sure who said what, but somebody, and I think it was Christina, um, had said that I was just way too open. And considering that everybody there was very open and and what I mean by open is more um, like energetically open mm-hmm. um, you know because everybody there had some interest in Bigfoot right so <clears throat> when you have when you run into people who are closed off to these type of subjects they're not open to entertaining this stuff so energetically I was too open to be in an area that was, you know, you, I'm in a situation where I'm being told that I'm, I'm very open energetically and I've got 
you know, 80 to 100 people in front of me who are all obviously open to these types of, you know, uh, creatures and these, you know, energetically they're open as well. And she said it was just, it was like the perfect storm for something that had a nefarious intent, uh, intent, whatever that is, you know, we, we still don't know. And I doubt that we ever will know um, that, that it was very easy for that thing to, to, uh, to get a foot in the door with me. Um, Makes makes me wonder if anything like this has happened at any other conference and just, and we don't know about it. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, my gut would tell me I highly doubt it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that this had anything to do with, um, Bigfoot. I don't think this had anything to do with anybody there. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, some of these people that I've talked to have kind of hit the nail on the head in that it was trying to, it was trying to enact on a small voice that had a decent pool of people who listened to me. And, and those, and those people are smart people. My listeners are very intelligent people. Not, not that everybody's not intelligent, but my, you know, I don't, I don't have shows about silly things. I don't have shows where, you know, I'm trying to be a comedian or crack jokes or, you know, talk about, um, you know, aliens coming and, you know, taking me into their craft when I'm sitting on the toilet. You know, it's, <laughs> what I talk about are, are serious things. And, and I think that, I think that my, my listeners are very um, serious and mature and follow me for some reason. And whether it's the the literal voice that I I have, or whether it's the figurative figurative voice that I've created, um, it was coming after me for some reason. You know, if you can if you can go get um, a bunch of small voices, it might be a lot easier than going after one big voice. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Uh, I don't know. Wow. Very, very strange. It is. It is. But um, it all worked out. You had the right people at the right place at the right time to help. Certainly did. Certainly did. Yeah. Absolutely. Very thankful for that. Well, I think this is a good spot to uh, end the episode. Um, So before we we, um, uh, stop the conversation here, could you tell the listeners where they can find you? I'd love to. Um, Uncomfortable Podcast. It is on Apple, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Caster, Procaster, this caster, that caster, any kind of any kind of app that uh, that you get your uh, podcasts on. I am I am on that. Um, sometimes it is easier to search Uncomfortable Eric, E R I C K. That seems to bring the uh, the black and white logo with the lowercase u and the uppercase n right up and uh, makes it easy to find. Um, I've got about 140 episodes out, I believe. I've uh, been doing this for about two and a half years. And, uh, you know, we just keep growing and getting to have a lot of fun along the way. Uh, one, of the, one of the really nice... Uh, gratifying things about doing this is 
getting invited onto shows like yours, Kat, um, where where I can sit on the opposite side of the the proverbial microphone and uh, get get to talk unabated about some of the weird shit that's happening in my life. Um, it is not why I do the podcast, but it is definitely what led me to wanting to hear from other people uh, about their experiences because, you know, a good portion of my life I spent having people roll their eyes or say, yeah, you're crazy. That's just mm-hmm. not real. And, you know, how can you be so stupid? Um, you know, 58 years I've, I've been, I've been into it since I was five and, uh, I'm a normal, I'm a normal dude. I've got a good education. I'm not, uh, I'm not what you would consider a weird person. <laughs> um, you know, so for me to have stayed engaged with these topics for as long as I have and, uh, the, the unique manner of which I've experienced them always being on the periphery, it's like just enough that it gives me confirmation that those things that I'm talking about are real and do exist. I don't know. It's just, it's been a, it's been a wonderful thing. I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it, even though sometimes it's stressful and you, you get worried about where your next, uh, where your next interview is going to come from. And, you know, do I have something to put out this week? And, um, it can, it can be a little trying, but for the most part, it's, it's been a very, very gratifying, uh, experience and, you know, just the, the listeners that reach out to you and developing relationships with people through, you know, your discord or your social media, people that you hear from time and time again, that, you know, are, you know, waiting for that next episode that you're going to put out. That's a, that's a very powerful thing. You're doing a great job. You have a really good show. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoy yours as well. Thank you. I'm glad we've uh, glad we've made the connection and increased the size of the uh, the podcast family. Yes, yes. The Fantastic Five, I think, is what uh, JJ started. I think it was JJ that started calling it that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate this, and definitely have to have you on again um, and have some more great conversations. I'd love to. You just let me know when. Perfect. Thanks, Kat. Thank you. Do you take care? You too. Bye. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants 